0: Thank you.
1: space burgers and welcome to the space cave a big warg to all of you and a welcome to 2020 and a new decade hopefully your teens the tens into the teens man we were so young back then we were in the tween years now into the 20s will they be roaring 20s who knows um hopefully they go well for you though um sorry about the little break a couple weeks off which were not intended. It was weird to reflect back on a year ago, all of those days uh, to start the year where I was laid up in the hospital. And last year, I'd been so prepared going into the holidays. I had a bunch of backlogged episodes. And then as I extinguished them, we got into a little bit of a layoff. This year, I didn't have a backlog, but I was thinking, I'll be around. I'll, I'll you know have some guests and things. And then just the holidays got really busy. We ended up uh, doing a little bit of traveling just driving um, to see some family I hadn't seen in quite a while. And it uh, just ended up being a little busier than I was expecting. So I apologize. Hopefully uh, you didn't get thrown off track. And or you never know with podcasts these days if people listening go, well, they missed one week. I'm done with them. I've moved something new into my rotation. Maybe it's that cutthroat. I don't know that I want to live in a world like that. Or have to create stuff all the time or put something out there just so it's out there. And maybe that's how it goes. Um, if you're in the world of of making things and and everyone that kind of does YouTube or whatever it is will say, that's the key to it. You just got to slop stuff out there and give them stuff to always be looking at. And I don't love that. I'd rather wait a little bit and try to put out something at least decent. With that being said, this I don't have a guest for this episode, but I did uh, prior to... <laughs> that's, I think that's pretty funny, that I go on this long rant about, like, <laughs> I'd like to wait. I'd like to really put out something that's got some integrity behind it. Anyway, who wants a clip show? Who's ready for me to just ramble along for a certain amount of time? And, uh I don't know, every now and It's been a while since we did the, one of those. And by we, I mean, you know, me fielding questions. Over the years, I've done a little bit less of the... The phone calls and things like that from Twitter, it feels like for the most part I got to chat to anyone and everyone who was kind of interested. I might bring it back a little bit this year, we'll see. But also, the, the issues I kept having with Skype and stuff were frustrating, and, and people would send me app suggestions, and uh, I just uh, couldn't make them work. Or some of them were really expensive, where I was like, eh, I don't quite have enough Patreon people to justify that for a 10 minute call. So I've kind of avoided doing them and or just held off or or whatever. But uh, on occasion, I'll put out a uh, just a question on Twitter or something or say, do you have any questions? And I thought this would be a good episode heading into a new year to do that. I did it, I think, before 2019 had ended. Hey, do you have any questions you want answered before the end of the year? And now we're over two weeks into 2020. It wasn't really my goal necessarily to get all the answers done, and put them out ahead of time. Maybe a little closer to the start of the year would have been ideal. I don't know. I've been procrastinating. Did I just say that weird? I've been procrastinating a little bit, and I do that a lot. Uh, But I've been, I think, a little better this year at uh, following through on things and getting things done, that kind of business. So hopefully that continues. Um, I feel like there was... Some other thing I was going to say, and now I can't think of it. This is going to be this type of episode. I apologize. I, oh, that's what it was. I'm in Winnipeg. I'm in Canada. So a lot of traveling, getting ready. And I will say, uh, when it sounds like I was just procrastinating and not doing anything, it, I wasn't just laying around. I've got this big show coming up on January 26th at the Dynasty Typewriter, and I'm funding the whole thing. I'm producing it. I'm. I just. I always thought when I made One-Headed Beast— that uh, some, someone would see it and be like, hey, what could you do if you had a bunch of money? And it turns out those stories are pretty few and far between. What really happens is, hey, you made that. Some people liked it. Most people didn't see it. And if you want to make another thing, good luck. You got <laughs> to tackle it again on your own. So it's a pretty critical error, I think, to, to venture into it using kind of your own resources and things like that. But every now and again, you just get an idea where you're like, I have to see this happen. I've just, it's eating away at my other creative output. I I feel like once you have a project like that or an idea, you just have to get it out of your system and then you can move on. And maybe you're not like that, or if you are, I'd love to hear from you. Do you just go, well, I made that one and then I had this dream of doing this and I, of course, couldn't do it so I moved on? And absolutely, we all have like tiers of things we want to do. If you are Uh, trying to create stuff, and maybe you have goals where, you know, if I had millions of dollars, I would do this. Uh, There's a documentary called The Sky Ladder about a guy who just always had this dream of basically building a ladder out of fireworks that was held up by balloons, and then it would light up, and you're like, that's a really weird thing to obsess about for like 20 years. And then you see it happen. You see the ladder, and you're like, cool idea. I'm glad he pulled it off. So it's not like for 20 years he did nothing and then accomplished that. You have to kind of do what you can with what you have while you are waiting for the thing or, or working toward the thing that hopefully one day you'll have enough to make it. That sounds too confusing, but hopefully that made some amount of sense rather than sitting. I think a lot of people sit there and think, oh, if I just had a giant studio and a hangar, I'd build some stuff and I'd have this and this and I'd make an airplane or oh, that's a little crazy, but you get the idea as opposed to, well, in reality, you're in a studio apartment. So what are you going to do while you're there? And you can paint, you can, you know, probably on Craigslist, find some free materials and you can start making little things and build up. And then hopefully it'll progress until you get a little bit more space and more space. And next thing you know, you'll have that hanger. So this is one of those things on the 26th that I'm completing that it's a little bit hangerish, I think. I probably uh didn't quite have everything necessary going into it but then again if you can pull it off maybe you have everything you need is it at the detriment of uh other things maybe but sometimes you just you have to do it i won't ramble on about that too much but i'm excited to be done with this i think it's a cool idea and um it's just every now and then you get you get like an itch where you just have to see it completed and this is one of those things. Lots of people have helped. A lot of people that helped on One-Headed Beast. So I feel really lucky to have those sort of resources, meaning just people that are interested and willing to share their time or their talents. So why not take advantage of that? And uh, if you're in Los Angeles on the 26th Dynasty Typewriter at 8 p.m., we'll be filming it. And uh, I think it's a cool concept. We've shot a decent amount of it so far, so this will be the end of it. And then it'll be a matter of putting it all together. But like I said, I'm in Winnipeg at Rumors Comedy Club, and if this is the first episode you're starting with, maybe you saw a show or saw my name on the calendar and went, I'm going to check out this guy and see if I want to go see it, uh, I can't imagine why you'd go to a comedy club after listening this far into this episode. This is um, not normally how the, epi- or the podcast is. I normally have a guest, I sit down and chat with them, and uh, it's more about them and what they know than me rambling on. In a hotel room with a radiator that's kind of clicking in the background. But the other room was real echoey. And there's like some construction outside. It's negative 50 outside. January in Winnipeg. But uh, I like it here. I think the club is amazing. I like how they do it. The staff is really nice. And uh, the the little pre-visit email or letter they send you has a lot of like, it's a cool town. Go out and explore. Go see some of it. I'm going to pass this time. It's just too cold. I feel like even walking 100 feet, I'm risking my life. And uh, it shakes my system. Even when I brought tons of warm weather gear. Then there's another part of me that thinks, I like documentaries about people that are like, you know, in Siberia and places like that or, or the, the frozen north, the Yukon territory. And so do I want to treat this city that way where I'm out there seeing how long I can stay outside Not necessarily. But then I do, maybe I've put that to bed, that idea of one day spending a certain amount of time really roughing it in cold climates. I don't know. Sometimes it feels like Naked and Afraid and these type of shows are kind of propaganda, like the the off-grid sort of shows, just when you see what goes into boiling your water or building a well or setting up solar panels, you're like, oh, give me that grid Give me that (laughs) heater and air conditioning. It turns out I'm an indoor pet, and I don't like to feel that way. I do like to feel like I am capable. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, and that's why, again, it's probably a little better to have a guest on a podcast, because I like to hear people's thoughts. It seems like these days that's considered sort of, you know, wanting to be on the grid and or the comforts of leisure in their, you know, the old school thinking was like, well, You're not a man. And these days I think people are comfortable being like, that's okay. There were those tough guy, burly men long ago and they made all this stuff. And a lot of us now get to reap the benefits of being a little softer. But then there's this feeling of maybe that's why people are more uh, depressed than normal or listless or just can't quite find their footing, never challenge themselves. And that's not a male or female thing. I think everyone wants to try their hand at something, whether that's running a marathon or sailing around the world, living out in the frozen tundra of nowhere for a year and seeing what you're capable of what the human spirit can endure um so this is nothing none of that it's just cold here but i find myself thinking those thoughts of "Whew, it's chilly here now imagine i'm 50 miles away from anywhere trying to survive could i do it the answer pretty unequivocally so far is no i'd be dead instantly but i like the idea of trying it would just be nice if there was like a, okay, pause. I'm not doing well. Let me get by the fire for a little bit, regroup, and then figure out how to survive. I'm not going to crawl into some sort of animal's carcass. I don't know why that's been romanticized in stories. I don't want to do that. Um, so for now, I'll be in Winnipeg through the week until the 18th. There are two shows on Friday and two on Saturday, one every other night. At Rumors Comedy Club, Winnipeg, Manitoba. And uh, I will not be smelling like an animal carcass because I will be safe and sound in uh, a nice room in a bed with a radiator that clicks a little bit. I don't even know if you've heard it yet. It seems to have dissipated some. I think the sound quality in this room is okay. Let's get to these questions that were sent in to finish off 2019. And I'm going to queue up some of them. Uh... The first one was from at the Mark Atkinson, who's my friend Mark Atkinson. Will I see Dave in 2020? Well, I, got, I have great news, buddy. Of course you will. We see each other once or twice a year, it seems like. I think I just emailed you today. So let me know if you didn't get that. It'd be great to see you. Um, Rod Gar uh, at Roko underscore GA uh, said, Oh, looks like I missed it. Guess I'll have to wait. Until 2020, the end of 2020, uh, to which was, do you have any questions you want answered by the end of 2019? And I sent that, you know, before um, the year had ended. And then he was, you know, writing after the year had already started, like, whoops, guess I missed it. Anyway, uh, I don't know why I included that one. I'll just go through them, include as many as I can. Um, oh, man, I sort of... I probably need to look these up because I think I jotted them down with a shorthand that I'm not doing a great job of. I wouldn't be a good court stenographer because I'm not um, recalling them as well as I thought I would. It says, Happiness Austin, which is at Happiness Austin, something about celebrities and cars. So let me see if I can find that. I don't know what that was in uh, relation to do you see celebrities in cars or does it? Okay. So yeah. Rocco underscore GA. Oh man, I missed it. I guess I'll have to wait until the end of 2020. That was his thing. Oh, I see. Yeah. Happiness Austin wrote, Which cele- when celebrities leave major events such as the Oscars, how do they know which car is theirs? And usually my guess is it's a service. One time I was driving on my way home on Oscars, what, Sunday, whenever it is. And then I think they they do tape it during the day and then they broadcast it a little bit later. So I don't think it's quite live, but it's pretty close. And uh, I was at like the, where the block, the roadblock started, which meant cars were coming down a road. I think it was La Brea, which they had all shut off. Uh, And then I could still cross direction I was going but the blockade was just immediately to my right so I as I was stopped there waiting there's a guy like waving them through and all these limousines went zooming by I was like oh this is so weird that this city that we use all the time just for normal transportation has you know altered itself changed itself into this very private road as if you think they go up this private canyon drive up into this palace in the hills that's solely there for that and that's where they kind of Gatsby-esque all uh, exit these vehicles and ball gowns and tuxedos. But in actuality, they're in this gross part of the city that's 99% of the time uh, where, where tourists come and visit and hang out. And there just happens to be a theater there. So it's the glitz and glamour of Hollywood. But in reality, you would never see a famous person there otherwise. They would never be hanging out there. It's the furthest place. It's just 100% tourists and people screaming about Jesus. sidewalks are gross and uh, it's really dirty there but these cars all go flying through and i assume there's a number on the tuxedo and a lot of handlers assistants people like that say oh you know radio the driver text the driver call the service get our car and then you you know there's a little tsc i think is the thing or is it tsc i think that's in a ts number something like that that all the cars have that's specific to their driver. So I assume it's something like that. It could just be, we're just going to line up limos, get in the one you want, tell them where you're going. Our service will send you there. I honestly don't know the answer, but I'm assuming you have a driver. You might even call it yourself. I mean, it's only the very uh, upper end of the A-list, I assume, that has agents, people like that, handle all of that for them. Everyone else being in showbiz is you get pampered a bit. I experienced this a little bit with the sci fi show where they were, you know, go here, we got you a car, get in it, take it this way. Otherwise, it's a lot of, okay, well, you'll get yourself there. So drive or use rideshare or whatever, get yourself there. And then it's sort of a pampered thing. So I could see it. I could see, uh, I think a few years ago, one of the awards, remember TJ Miller got into a fight with his Uber driver? And I think he ended up slapping him or something. And the guy was like threatening to sue him, or maybe did sue him. I don't remember, but he was just taking an Uber to one of the award shows. So it's different for everyone. Uh, they very rarely drive their own car. I think that's where the question came from. How do they know which car is theirs? Again, it's maybe that's the answer to the question. It's not theirs, it's just one that they rode in to get there. Okay. Uh, Happiness Austin had also replied to Jay Inslee's question, which was. Um, uh, let's see, why does hair change color from dark to gray or white? What are, what is nature's purpose for that? And then Happiness Austin said, um, I once read that it's nature's way of signaling that the person is too old to procreate with. Yikes. Well, that seems likely, you know, a flower petals kind of wilt. Uh, it seems like the, the way nature just signals, I think of a flower's life and how quick it is. It's just this little seedling thing that comes up. It's a bud. Blossoms very briefly, stares at the sun. Everyone look at me. Look how pretty I am. I'm a flower. Oh, I just soak up the sun. And then it kind of glances out to its outer edges. Like, hey, 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 hey. What's going on here? And then it folds back in. Just like a senior citizen. Just a little hump in its back. Staring at the ground in spite of itself. It doesn't want to. It doesn't want to wilt and look at the ground. It wants to crane up and struggle against nature and say, I'm still here. Dye my petals. Stretch them out. Make my petals look young and vibrant again. Oh, fix my voice. There I am. I'm back. I'm young again. I did it. I'm a flower that fought against the aging process. Petals are vibrant and full again. I infused all this new... Um, oh, God. Yeah, what is the chloride... Anyway, forgetting the whole process of photosynthesis, but um, I think that's it. You get you get gray because your petals are wilting a little bit. You are a flower that is, in fact, dying ever so slowly. Doesn't mean you can't procreate. You can be old as hell these days. As a male, I don't know why it works that way. It's just it's a shame. Uh, it's not like women go through menopause the moment they are incapable of carrying children there's like a long period after that where it's like you could but yeah, it's a little dicey it's gonna it's not gonna be the healthiest of babies for who knows how long 10 years more and whereas and you'll hear a story about like a 70 year old man fathering a child and people are like yeah it happens and that is just the most unfair do flowers have it that way i don't think so there, there's not that lack of injustice in the flower world um i'll tell you who would know all about that Matt Candias, um has a great podcast, In Defense of Plants. In fact, I was talking to someone recently, and uh, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I've, he my friend's really into cacti. And I go, oh, you should listen to this podcast. And he goes, I do. I did listen to it. So the world is very small. Sean Aguilera asked, uh, when are you guest starring again on Middle of Somewhere with Chad Daniels and Cy Amundsen? Who knows? They don't have a lot of guests, and uh, I don't see those guys as much as I would like, so it was nice that we were all together uh, at the same time. But if I'm in Minneapolis again and they are both in town, which I'd say the chances are slim, it would be terrific. Um, If you don't, if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, check it out. It's short. Those ones are nice. Like 30 minutes, just them telling stories, funny dudes. Lee Bruns asked if there are any plans for a summer comedy tour in 2020. Not as of yet. I'm going to see how this uh, project uh, works itself out. I've been asked to do a few gigs here and there. That's been nice, so I'll take advantage and do those. But uh, it's not usually how the comedy world works, where you just get asked to do stuff. And a lot of times, you gotta, you gotta put uh, some effort into it. And I just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I like doing it. I don't always love going. And as long as I've been at it, uh, you know, there's not a huge fan base. So for whatever that's worth, I don't, I think there is like digitally or spread out over the world, but as far as individually in cities, enough so that enough people would come out. Sometimes I'll set up these shows. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And then, which I feel is very DIY. I was always against the kind of more corporate uh, structure of things. There are a lot of comedians that make a ton of money just performing for corporations at private events. So I was always very much against that. Like, no way, man, you got to play from the heart. And then you find out, like, eh, uh, nah, that that doesn't always work. <laughs> you have to, you gotta. It's all about exposure. You just get yourself out there. And I've never been great at that or that interested in that. Uh, but I do like touring. It's just sometimes I'll put all this work in, and then I'll show up, and the crowds don't validate. That's the wrong word. They don't. Um, the amount of work in doesn't uh, isn't reciprocated or. I don't know. I don't, I'm drawing a blank. I apologize. My brain failing me currently for the right word there that basically means if it were the balance of the scales, the work is not offset by uh, the amount of whatever that would be, people showing up or revenue, whatever it would be. So I'll just podcast from, from the depths of nowhere. Out into the world, just blathering along. I'll just do that. That's easy. There's not. It, it doesn't really take up too much time. It's not that. <laughs> it's um. It's a, a very easy thing to do, with little risk involved. Um, John Usery, John J O N underscore U S S E R Y. Did you ever get your anvil back? Which is a very nice and thoughtful question that goes back to what feels like forever ago. I think it was five or six years ago when I did. Uh, Mark Marin's WTF podcast I talked about losing my horseshoeing anvil and no I never did get it back. I run into people every now and again and they will bring that up. And one, this one guy in Boise is like if I ever make a bunch of money one of the first things I would do is figure out what anvil you had and at least buy you one that's very similar which is very sweet. I feel very uh that's very touching. So I would be delighted to get that particular anvil back. I ran into my uncle after that episode aired and I had no idea that he listened to it. And we were just standing there just kind of shooting the breeze and then he brought it up. I'm like, oh, I heard that podcast. And it didn't occur to me right away that I had told that story. And then I kind of, you know, you, get, you jolt up like, oh, oh, right, oh shit. And then he just goes, eh, that's a no big deal. It's a bummer about that anvil though. He was real cool about it. So he understood that I didn't, you know, carelessly lose it. I mean I was a teenager, I think, at the time, so they do stupid stuff. And it wasn't that stupid. It was just a little um I wasn't as protective as I maybe now am. You know when you see adults and they're like locking the car when you're at a park where there's like one other vehicle. There's no one around. The other vehicle's two hundred yards away and they lock the car and then you walk away. You know you all heard the locks go down, but maybe you didn't hear the car horn go off or the lights flash. And then they turn back and hit the button until they see that and hear the horn go off and you're like what are you doing i just had to be i'd be sure that's because they probably had some stuff stolen or they lost it at some point in their life they're just a little leery of it so everyone gets a little more cautious as they go along and i wish i didn't have to learn that lesson with my anvil um when is professor blastoff coming back it's not it will never be back Um, I'm sure that makes some people sad what if people are listening to this show just sort of like all right, I just gotta kind of I'll just have it on the background and then maybe they'll just randomly announce when it's coming back it will not um, it was fun while it lasted it's I always thought it would be more like uh, like when a band breaks up and there are people that still go back and listen to the old episodes and that's sweet but overall it's more like a TV show that goes away it uh, people instantly move on and find new TV shows and I think that's just the the, the way life goes. I maybe it's like a band though in that if it did uh have a reunion show there would be people showing up out of the woodworks and um I guess that'd be good. I don't know. Again I go back to the stand-up shows with uh not a lot of not a ton of people there. It it was a lot, you know, it was easier maybe during like the Blast era and I I didn't love that either when people come out I had friends that you know were maybe known for television shows they were on and I'd go do stand-up with them and they'd be like "Eh, "It's cool but it's they're not here for my stand-up they're just kind of here because I'm on that show and sometimes Blastoff felt like that a little bit so I like that this podcast in no way would really (laughs) have that appeal so someone would come see me do stand-up just because of it I I prefer it just to be the stand-up thing on its own. Um, But yeah, I'd also be a little frustrated with blast-off people. Like, where'd you go? You you were all here for a while. Then the moment the show ends, everyone just found something new, which is great. I mean, I think that's how life goes. It just moves on. So it does make me, it bums me out a little bit that people are missing something in their life. So many things went away. You know, Jon Stewart was in the in their lives, right around then, and then that went away, and then Professor Blastoff was something you could kind of count on every week. You could hear these voices, and that went away. And how many times in life do we have to be uh reminded that it's all going to go away? Nothing gets to stay. It's kind of cool when bands stay around for fifty years, even though they're kind of old. You're like, do I want to go see them? I think I'm just going for the sake of saying I saw them because they were around for so much of my life. Um, Okay. Uh, Let's see. Getting through most of these. Here is a Stephen Elton Yates question. A deadweight piston is set up with an ideal gas in the chamber. The piston is made of 50 centimeter thick copper. And then in parentheses, recall that there is atmosphere air, atmospheric air above the piston pushing down on it. So like, you know, the atmospheric pressure that would be on our skin i think it's about one psi one pound of pressure per square inch of our body that kind of pushes our bodies together and when you go into space and that atmospheric pressure isn't there you you not like explode i think that was a misnomer or a um, false thing that got spread a lot but you blow up like um violet beauregard from charlie and the chocolate factory your skin works as like a almost like a grape because you don't have that atmospheric pressure. If the system is in equilibrium with T equals 1500 Kelvin, that's a temperature and contains 10 moles of gas, determine the volume of the gas. I'll be honest. At first I was like, no one asks a question like this unless they know the answer. And then I thought, well, man, there's a part of my life where this would have been very easy and I was inundated with problems like this all the time when I was studying engineering and thermodynamics was a subject I didn't do great in but I really enjoyed I really I felt like I learned a lot from it and I understood it well after the fact it was like one of those courses where I got a terrible grade and then after it all sort of like it showed up in my head and I was like oh I, I think I get that now I get what that was about and um so I sat down and like started to work it out a little bit and then it, it didn't bring me any great joy and I went back to what I, my initial thought was, with some, that is this can be looked up and or this is a type of question that you only ask if you know the answer to. I felt like it was Stephen's way of just kind of being like a little tip of the cap that we are both have an engineering background and just (laughs) throwing that out there. But it's the ideal gas law, which is PV equals NRT. And you would solve for P by doing P1V1 equals P2V2. The question I did have, and this is what engineering is, again, dead weight on an ideal gas in the chamber. The piston is 50 centimeters thick of copper. So it's 50 centimeters thick. We don't really know any kind of diameter. So this problem develops another element. How can we really solve the true pressure, if it's in a state of equilibrium, that 50 centimeters thick doesn't tell us the diameter. So you might say there's not enough information here to solve this problem. You know uh, the number of moles is 10. Uh, you know the, so R in that equation is the gas constant, which is like 8.3 joules per mole Kelvin. I remember that phrase very well from engineering. When you start crossing all these things off, like... Joules and you you know, you have to make these conversions like, oh yeah, one joule and like kilocalories. It's totally like different, different, uh, you know this. If you're listening to this, you either don't care or you know it. You're like, oh, please stop struggling through this. But those things always confuse me, like kilocalories or what one calorie is like the energy it takes to raise one cubic centimeter of water by one degree. I believe that's it a mole is somewhere or a joule, and like kilojoules i could never keep all that straight and like as you go through engineering there are not a, a lot of people that under they just create this database in their head of all the constants all of the numbers you need to know like well this is 9.8 meters per second would be the rate of acceleration of just standard gravity of anything falling it's 32.2 feet per second squared uh these sort of things like the weight of water there's all of it like it just at some point is in your head and you're like this is amazing my brain is like a calculator now my brain is not I have no use for this sort of stuff I just kind of wish I knew it because it seems f- smart it makes you feel like oh yeah I can still do smart stuff but I don't have the patience I don't think we have enough information so maybe Stephen will help us solve this or if you're listening and you're going oh it's a trick dude it's 10 you do this and this it's real quick and easy Apologies. But I think you have to solve for P and then to get to volume pretty easy from there because you have all the others. It's just a matter of figuring out that pressure. And I don't know that we know. We know the constant from above atmospherically, and we know we have 50 centimeters of copper. So then you look into copper. What is the weight of that You know per cubic centimeter or something? I don't know. But this would be how engineering works. And maybe you would take it in to like a TA and they'd go, you have enough info. Keep working at it. And you spend days. When I would tell people sometimes about engineering problems, they'd go, well, it's just like it's like anything. You just research it. You have the answers. You fill them out. It's not like that. It teaches your brain a weird way to think about things where it's like being a detective. You're like, I don't get it. There are these marks here and there's this. And you go, oh, what if they dropped it? And then you have to work back and you go, ah, there it is. This now makes sense. You had to start back and do some derivative or sub in and do some iterations of things. Who knows? This all sounds like gibberish, I'm assuming if you if you haven't studied engineering at all. And really, it's about as interesting as it sounds. But yet, when people go, well, it's cool, engineering, that's cool. It's boring to talk about, but... Getting a few engineers together and hearing them chat about uh, solving problems and things, I always kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was fascinating to hear a human brain work that way. Okay. Um, so thank you, Stephen. Good question. Appreciate you um, assuming and or... Uh, <laughs> yeah, assuming that my engineering skills and or knowledge would still be in my head somehow. It is not. And... Um, Apologies that I couldn't answer the question, but, uh, perhaps, perhaps you'll do it. Um, Dan Pritchard, Dan from orange said, uh, where do you think the ninth planet is? Who knows? I don't think it's anywhere, but it could be anywhere. It could be in the Kuiper belt. I think we would have solved it or found it by then. So it's likely in a, oh man, would it be in a different solar system within our galaxy? seems like we've mapped that out fairly decent as well. We're getting out there a lot of those Kepler planets, 542b and things like that, that they're, uh, what do they count as? A ninth planet in our solar system. I think we've kind of ruled that out with Pluto being so small, so far out there. When can you know, the Kuiper belt loosely kind of in orbit? Is it just hanging out there? It must be slowly be feeling the gravity from the sun, but that seems like the outer bounds of it, anything beyond that, I don't know that we'd be pulling it into an orbit. Uh, something could be going in a perpendicular sort of, um, cycle, but it would run it. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think that comes up on the podcast every now and again, not necessarily what we think it is. Planet X, everyone thought, you know, was going to just swoop through. I think we have enough historical data to, to not be broadsided by something. But wouldn't that be cool? Just one day, like scientists are baffled. There's this thing that moves in this elliptical orbit that gets really close to the sun and then takes off and goes way out there and is not in the same sort of plane as the other planets. Uh, That'd be, that'd be cool. they go, yeah, we had no idea. What do you know? Space. So I think likely we don't have a ninth planet um uh, but you never know it could just be hiding out there in an orbit that one year takes i think we would know even if it went like 10 billion i think astrophysicists have a pretty solid grasp of uh the movement in history which is crazy to think about who knows if i'm wrong i probably am um let me know especially if you're an astrophysicist uh Sheila Madrak at doc madrak asks, will there be any live shows of the Space Cave? And I don't think so. Sometimes I, I toy with the idea of like, it would be kind of fun in a brewery, sampling some beers, chatting with a scientist, having a little crowd there. People could ask questions. That always seemed like a very um, uh, logical progression for this show to do with live shows. I also kind of like it not having live shows, just only existing this way. Another part of that is with the junk show and stand-up stuff and you know having a relationship with the significant other and a variety of other things um sometimes my time gets a little uh limited and or i just feel lazy where i'd go like okay doing this podcast and the junk show and these other things uh and i got like, I my hobbies i'm i'm making uh leather stuff and wood stuff and screen printing and all that kind of thing, uh, then setting up a live show and coordinating with guests, etc. cetera. I don't know. I don't know that I've got it in me. I, I feel like maybe in 2020, I want to get a little bit better at understanding what I can do with my time, what is logical and or reasonable to do with my time and making uh, maybe some like tough decisions as far as that goes. Sometimes I'll spread myself a little thin and I won't get everything done because I'm trying to do 10 things. And maybe I need to scale it back down, reel it back in and go, look, just do these four things. I don't know if that resonates with you at all, if you're having similar thoughts uh, as far as your life or resolutions into um, 2020. But that's one I think I need to work on in that sometimes I think like, what if I just poured a lot more energy into just the space cave? It seems like just enough people kind of like it to make that... A reasonable thing to do. Then on the other side, I look at um, it, you know, it only has a certain amount of likes on Apple Podcasts, and we've been doing it for four years. And I feel like maybe that's not the brightest thing to do. I really appreciate and feel very thankful that people do like the show who listen to it. And I hopefully you're getting out of it um, as much as you expect, because I really do put a lot of time into it and I like doing it. So the idea of uh, like I'm always behind on trying to like upload the Instagram to it because then I have my own social media stuff and all those. It just becomes too many things. I, and maybe I should have made it all go together in just one spot. Anything and everything, David Huntsberger, you could just find it this one spot and there's, but I, don't, I, I like to compartmentalize a little bit. I don't, don't want it all. It's just, I feel like I do too many different things that uh, I like them having their own space. the the space cave feels like its own thing, like it should have its own Instagram, but then I never post anything to it or upload. And I apologize for that. But those are the kind of things that I procrastinate on and go, damn it, I should start doing that. So a live show might just add more stress to that. But if you're, if you'd like to see it, and maybe you can round up a little bit of a crowd, let me know where you live. And if you can (laughs) guarantee you've got at least a little bit of a crowd that would be interested, I would happily come do a live show. But I just I don't see it happening. I kind of like our dynamic here, where this just exists out in the, the confines of deep space, all tucked together, escaping the, the tragedies and perils and everything else of life as we know it. Uh, okay, and then Lee Bruns asked um, something about 3D glasses for dogs. You know, like I think kind of in jest. Like, do we? Uh, you know, what? How would we do that? Could we do that? Do we need to understand how they see colors? The way bees see color and the the efforts they put into researching that with knowing their spectrum and knowing how they see purple as yellow. And I think we've got a pretty good idea of where on the spectrum of light, any animal's eye can see color and how it processes it. So, which is sad to think about a dog sitting there being experimented on with refracted light and different... Um, wavelengths of it coming into their eye and then going, oh, this part of their brain's reacting. I guess they see that. So yeah, it would seem logical that they could just choose two different colors, slap them on. In fact, I think I saw something about this with maybe birds or something recently. If you have an article, send it my way. I know I saw something about this recently, but yeah, it seems highly likely that we we could understand that with dogs and design 3D glasses for them. I don't know if that's accurate. That's just my thought. And, uh, the last question. I felt like there was one that was very. Um, let me get the person's name. Okay. Doo do, do, Apologies for this. <clears throat> oh, Jennifer Tokaji uh, at Jen WW 76, who was one of the first people to buy tickets to the dynasty typewriter show on the 26th. Thank you, Jen. I think that's fantastic. Uh, she said, I have a general question. So how are you? And that's from Allison Rosen is your new best friend. We, uh, did an episode where Allison kept putting off this important question she was going to ask me. And then at the end, that was it. So that's what she was asking there. And mighty blouse at mighty blouse said, what is the meaning of life? I think we've covered it in this episode. <laughs> I think we've really gotten to it. Where are you at in your life? Are, what age are you? Are you having eighteen-year-old discussions, which are a lot of? Where do you think we'll be? Do you think we'll know each other? Why do you think we're we're doing this? What do? You, where do you think we'll go? What do you think your life will be? Isn't it crazy that we know each? You know, like just all the stuff. Maybe you go to college. Maybe you get a job. Maybe you go to the military. Wherever you are at twenty-two, you kind of most people I think in some way reconnect maybe with high school people or someone from your past and maybe you have a bunch of new friends at that point you know if you went to college you're having conversations about 22 and people are starting to already kind of get married and maybe have kids at that point and you're there's a song lyric I'll try to play on this show that's like so this is this what 22 feels like I think everyone's having that thought around 22 of like is this it are we adults what is this am I who I'm gonna be is this And you get to maybe 30 and you see a lot of comedians having uh, jokes about like, oh, my friends are having kids now and everyone's processing, you know, the pairing off section is already starting to happen and people are already nesting down. And now are you staying out? Are you partying? Are you traveling? Are you hanging out with your friends still? Are you feeling a little too old for that? Are you working really hard so that you can retire early and then maybe try to have your fun then? And everyone's deciding at that point, is this who I am? I'm 30 And I would imagine just every five years, every decade is something new and different. And what discussions are you having? Are you trying to, you know, as economics comes up, linguistics, evolution, scientific exploration, it all seems like it goes together, that there's going to be some solving of it that you'll understand this is where humans came from and this is our purpose. This is what we're meant to do. And maybe you settle on some sort of ethos at some point, say, oh, I got it. And it's comforting, ah, but there's nothing, nothing matters. We're just this blip that showed up, we get consciousness, but it disappears, it's darkness when we're done. And that's kind of nice, maybe you have that. And I'll bet throughout your life, if you can hold on to that, and that sort of like as a weird dogma, fantastic. Great for you. It doesn't seem the most um, advanced. I think people are that are always kind of asking questions seem to at least uh, keep themselves occupied. And maybe that's the meaning of life just to get something out of it. You could have asked to be here. We don't really know. The current material I'm working on kind of deals with that in a certain way. Just trying, and I think it comes from that point of wondering how many things can you rule out? Kind of that absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. Meaning that you you could say, well, because of this and this, it seems like there is a creator and it wants us to do this. And then obviously many people would be very skeptical and say, oh, that's a logical fallacy. What are you doing? That's crazy. However, because there's an absence of evidence, you can you can say, well, we can't rule it out because there is no evidence to say that we can rule that out. Maybe you asked to come here. Maybe everything asked to be here in the f- shape or form that it is in, that can create a whole lot of discussions. About anything, about bringing life into the world in any given way—not just with humans, but our reproducing domesticated animals, etc. What has value? What has consciousness? Is it happy to be here? Were they waiting in line to be here? And they're like, "Look, it's gonna be a while for you to be a human." And they're like, "I don't care. I'll go in as a dairy cow." And like, "I don't think you know what you're getting into. It's gonna be rough." Like, "I just want to see it. Let me go." All right, we got room for you. Get on in there. And then they go and and we see them we wait maybe we waited in line and now we're humans we go look at you you poor thing that's a terrible life but little did we know maybe they were a little impatient in line somewhere else who knows but those sort of thoughts i hope they continue to enter in i hope you continue to ask them because it seems like you'll never get an answer but that seems like a fun thing in life if you did wait in line and ask to be here probably would have signed up for some sort of those stipulations, which would be, don't tell me when I'm there. And they'd go, sign this waiver. I can't express enough to you. I think I did a sketch about this on one of the episodes earlier in this show about uh, you would be kicking and screaming. They go, sign here, sign here. The moment you get there, you're going to, when you're like seven, you're going to start looking around and go, what is this? Why am I here? Just try to have fun. Just enjoy it. But, you know, you can only see so many tragic things. And uh, I think you are going to look around and wonder, why would this happen? And if it is some sort of simulation or an AI experience you're having, or we are having, or the universe wanting to explore itself and give you this vast exploration of emotions, then you probably signed up for the right thing. You leave just gasping and exhausted. And hopefully you're able to find enough positives and rationalize staying here and not leaving. Some people choose to exit, and who knows? Maybe when they appear back in the previous place, everyone laughs at them and goes, oh man, you thought you were gonna breeze through it, and it got too hard on you, didn't it? That's a silly thought, but who knows? I, I think just welcoming in all the thoughts and wondering what it could be, if you can safely rule some of them out with evidence, please share that with us. But I think largely... People burrow down into thoughts that are safe and comfortable to them. It's easy to hope there's an imaginary person in the sky that's watching you and protecting you and thinking about you. But then if you think about asking that thing like, hey, could you not kill anyone with a natural disaster for this whole calendar year? What do you think your chances would be that it would listen and or honor that request, even if the whole globe asked it at the same time? Slim. So then that question's... Now maybe you're not so safe in that cocoon you don't know and maybe then you you have questions as to not questioning its overall awareness of you or benevolence or omnipotence we'll just never know i think if there is any meaning of life it's to just try to enjoy those little parts of it if you're lucky enough to have good relationships with people if you have fun experiences if you have unique thoughts you might at the end of your life be like, well, that was something. What a weird thing to be. Even if I was just this little blip that existed so briefly and I don't remember any of it and and no one really will and I might just disappear into atoms that vaporize into the air and my carbon settles back down here in the dirt or wherever it goes and someone else will scoop up that carbon and maybe there'll be some different type of mammal or a tree or who knows and their atoms will all interact together and have a unique set of experiences. But mine were here, and they were this, and they were something briefly. I won't remember it. And maybe some people that were familiar with me will remember it briefly. But overall, the experience is only ours or mine or yours. And if you can look at it that way, I feel like um, that's something. It's not a meaning, but it's, you might, you might enjoy it. So I guess that's, (laughs) The best I can attempt to answer that. I hope that wasn't too rambling. And I think I'll end this here. If you followed my Instagram page or you follow currently, I mostly post uh, comics and an occasional thing I made from leather or wood or some screen prints, things like that. But um, the shoes were an interesting story in that I've wanted to make them forever. I went into this shoe store or shoe repair shop that was near my house and I, I just thought it was, thought it was fortuitous that it was so close to where I lived. And cause I, years prior, I mean, early, early internet, I was looking up places where you could learn to make shoes. There was this castle in Oregon where you, I think you spent like $2,000 and stayed for a week. And at the end of it, you left with a pair of shoes. And I remember thinking like, that's, that's pretty sweet, but so expensive. Something I just absolutely could not afford. And then the shoe shops near my house and I, I took apart a pair of shoes I had and I attempted to put them kind of back together, like hand stitching them like eight years ago, maybe longer. Um, And I went in with those shoes and the guys were like, what is this? And I was like, I I was just trying. (laughs) They were like, do you want to learn how to make shoes? And I thought they were joking. And they're like, come in, you can come in anytime. And I became pretty good pals with the main shoemaker. And then uh, time went by. And uh, I, I kept putting it off. I'd go in and learn to resole shoes and I resold a bunch of pairs of my shoes a bunch of times and I got pretty good at that. But I'd always say like, dude, I wanna, I wanna make some shoes. And then I did that sci-fi show briefly and they gave me some shoes. And then when the show ended, they asked for them back. And I took them in and was like, hey, I kind of scuffed the bottom. Can we clean that up? And he helped me clean them up and then I gave them back. But beforehand I showed him the shoes. I'm like, what do you think of these? And he goes, those are beautiful. I was like, could we make them? He's like, absolutely. So years go by. And every time I'd pop in, I'd be driving by and I moved over the course of it. I was a little further away, but I'd pop in and just say, hey. And uh, I I would always ask about the shoes, but I kept not doing it. And then the store <laughs> closed. And uh, so anyway, if you want to hear the whole story as to how it came about, that'll be a quick one in the Patreon. But the end version, the end of that story is that we finally got together and made some shoes, and I helped with each part of it. Not every part, but each part I did. Like, he would show me, do maybe the left, and then I'd do the right. And it's not like I built the full right shoe and he built the whole left. We each built a little bit of each. And uh, But overall, I feel like I had a big hand in, in putting together these shoes. You can see them on Instagram. And you can see them live on January 26th. I'll be wearing them at the Dynasty Typewriter. And... Uh, come out this week in Winnipeg to Rumors. I'd love to see you there. And if you have any further questions, if you have the answer to Stevens' thermodynamics equation, if you know about 3D glasses, you can email pings at the Space Cave. Oh, and then we had two new Patreon people. Uh, Jeff Blevins, a $10 guy. I mean, that's huge. Thank you, Jeff. That's amazing. Look out for some stuff coming in the mail to you. And Bob Farker, uh, doing five dollars per month. Welcome new Patreon people. I really appreciate those of you that do support the show that that way. It not only gives um, a little bit of extra um, capital, if you will, to make the show happen with buying beer and buying music and web hosting and tech stuff, but also it lets me know that you're that people are listening and enjoying it, and that uh, fuels the show a little bit. So I do appreciate it. I try to keep the show ad free made possible by contributions from listeners just like you thank you for listening and uh yeah if you support the patreon and hear a little bit more about that shoe story as well as the you get access to i think all the other previous bonus episodes so there's quite a few in there by now and uh as i mentioned people who've been with the patreon for quite a while got some homebrew i sent them over the holidays so if that sounds appealing to you um join the patreon okay i think that's it get out of here the junk show is always the second sunday of every month at the copper still and uh you can uh, watch one-headed beast the previous streaming animated special i made on uh, amazon prime roku channel various other places just check around if you have any kind of those roku or amazon sticks okay uh here's some music from our pal i thought we'd start the year off with our buddy i know we lost neil pert hopefully you'll play some rush play a little tribute to him and just watch some videos and what an insanely inspirational drummer he was. I love how they would factor him into uh, Freaks and Geeks a lot. Just what a what a what an an idea he was for kids to aspire to be. Just that good at something. That amazingly, almost every Rush show had like a fifteen-minute part where, they're like, all right, now we're just going to watch a drum solo, and everyone would be like, "This is this is amazing. This is well worth it." So you can go down a real wormhole watching Rush YouTube videos and particularly Neil Pert. but um, it's real sad to lose him in to brain cancer. And I just found out um, a friend of mine I played basketball with in high school, who I'd kind of lost touch with. It's one of those people you hear about, and I guess this is just getting older. You're gonna hear about people and you won't realize how much it crushes you and how much you miss them and how you wish you could just have one more conversation or just catch up and say, hey, how's your life been? I miss you. I really, really enjoy you as a person. And Garrett Voss was one of those people. He, he was just great, such a nice person. And then when you hear uh, you know, glioblastoma and hearing like he's gone, there's just this instant feeling of, oh no, I never got to catch up with him one last time. I never got to relive stuff and laugh about uh old memories of traveling on the bus to go play games and all of our little things we shared together and um so wherever he and neil pert are i miss them and uh hopefully this year is a safe and happy one to you and everyone you love and i think we're all kind of a little group here in the space cave one of our our members part of our gang contributes music quite a bit you can find it all for free most of it online in the band camp you can also go to the i think it's called the free monthly music archive song of the month club he's got an archive on there kristovsky he's an ace love his music love sharing it on the show big supporter of the show great dude played the junk show once and uh hopefully you like it this is a new one from him it's called work mouse have a great 2020 thanks for stopping by the space game
0: They got complex, so simple At last, the noble task to be done I was unprepared, but for truth I dared Holding my breath, I held my calls Cause his whereabouts, they were here and there The thing was slippery, as he was small could he sense the end of it all? With so few calls to action.